Welcome to the Parenting with Play podcast. This week, we're going to talk about how to emerge out of lockdown, how to help our children reintegrate back into daycare and preschool and school, and how to manage our own feelings around it. And I am joined by my lovely friend, Nikki McGrath, who you may remember from previous episodes on aggression, helping our kids with aggression. So uh, Nikki's in the UK. I'm here in Australia. Um, and we're talking about how to help our kids in wherever you are around the world, because the lockdown is coming to an end. In Australia, it's come to an end. It's pretty much, you know, our kids are back at school now. We're starting to reemerge. I know in England, it's starting to happen again. America, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. So wherever you are, at some point, you're going to need to just back to life out in the real world. So I'm here today with Nikki to talk about how we're going to do that. <laughs> I'm Helena Mooney, and if you're wanting practical, respectful, and effective strategies to help transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So Nikki, welcome. It is so fantastic to have you here again. We talked about aggression last time and helping our kids when they get upset. So it's perfect that we're now talking again about coming out of lockdown because it's such a big, it's such a big time. And here in Australia, we're a bit ahead of you guys back in England. Um, I mean, largely because Australia hasn't been hit as badly in any way like England and America and other places around the world. So we haven't, we've had lockdown, but it hasn't been as pervasive as it has been over there. And so now I'm in New South Wales and Sydney. And so our kids have been back full time this week. And they've been back part-time for the previous two weeks. So we have been, we, we've, we're pretty much coming out of lockdown now, certainly for our kids. So what's it like? What's it like in England? Where are you at? And what's going on with the schools and daycares and preschools? Yeah, so I think there's, there's quite lots of hope at the moment, but there's also a lot of fear um, around coming out of lockdown. So um, schools are due to be going back on Monday, um, but only a few year groups. So reception, um, which is effectively kindergarten and then year one and year six. Um, and that's, um, government asking schools to open for those school, for those year groups. Um, so in my experience talking to other parents, um, there's definitely been quite a lot of fear around, going back to school, lots of anxiety around also making the choice to send your child because the government has said that there won't be any sanctions if you don't send your child back to school at this stage. Um, We've had the opposite here. So parents are sort of going, well, I don't necessarily want to send my children back, but I have to. And I mean, obviously we ultimately have choice, but yeah, we've been told we all going back and then that's it. So there's a bit of powerlessness, I think, from some parents going, well, what happens if I don't want to send my kids back? I shouldn't have sanctions against me if I don't want to send them. So yeah, that's interesting that the UK, you get to choose more. Yes. And you'd think that the choice would be, you know, would, would be, would be okay to make, but actually I think that um, lots of people have really been suffering from anxiety when making that choice. And, you know, certainly from my point of view, I, I had to make a choice and um, I, that week, 
up, leading up to it, I noticed myself really getting so angry with my, with, my, with my daughter just because my feelings of anxiety were building and building in the background. I wasn't necessarily recognizing them or acknowledging them to myself because um, I was so busy with work and homeschooling and everything else that was going on. So, um, yeah, I think it's been really difficult for some parents and, um, uh, and knowing what to do, knowing what was right for their child. Um, without necessarily having all of the information that they that would they would necessarily need or want to make that decision. Well, so. this I mean, it's been the cliche, but it is an unprecedented time, and you realise that actually a lot of people don't know what they're doing <laughs> because we haven't been in this situation, you know, for at least for a hundred years. So it's a it's a it's understandable that there is fear and that there's confusion and not really knowing what to do. I think that's in all levels of government as well as in our own homes. So. And it's interesting what you're saying then about how you were snappier with Katie because you had this stress that you didn't know what to do. And that's such a common thing that when we're stressed, we, we can't react playfully or connectedly with our kids. That's the time, it's exactly the time when we get snappy with them and less patient and, you know, annoyed with them. Um, so I'm just wondering, what do you do to help yourself in those moments when you do then recognize, hang on, <laughs> I'm getting snappier because I am stressed, which as you said, it's not always easy to recognize that in the moment. No, definitely not. But yeah, as soon as I did recognize it, um, I contacted my listening partner. Um, I've got a listening partner who um, has a child of approximately the same age, but she doesn't live in the same country. So it's, it's, they're experiencing different things over there, but She's absolutely brilliant at listening to all the fears and anxieties and things that I, that I have. And I can just vent as much as I like um, and she will listen. And I, I find that so helpful um, in those times when I just am feeling overwhelmed or I am noticing that I'm really getting cross with Katie. And um, she also gives me the option to, to, um, event. We have a regular listening time, which is always helpful to know that that's in place. But we, we also have um, sort of emergency events on WhatsApp or whatever. And, uh, and that's been really helpful. And also with you, I've been able to um, release some of my feelings just by um, leaving you WhatsApp voice messages, which is actually really helpful just to know that someone else is listening, that you'll respond and validate my feelings and and all of those things. So, well, and uh, that somebody else cares. I think that's because, especially like you're a single mum, you've got everything that you need to decide weighing down on your shoulders. You know, so whatever situation we're in, it can it can be really overwhelming to have to deal with it on our own, particularly with what's going on now, and if you have to make big, big decisions. So, to have somebody outside of your immediate dynamic so powerful like I'll, I'll leave whatsapp messages with you and it just feels oh god I can just have a me 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 this is driving me crazy or I'm really anxious about this and then just go oh it just you know the old saying isn't it a problem shared is a problem halved and it is completely true because just by knowing that somebody there is going to listen and cares and I can have that space to vent like you said it just just makes the world of difference and I wish that for those of you listening, you may not have an, a formal listening partner, but just call a friend 
and just go, I'm finding this really hard right now. And then the more that you do that, the other person will do that with you. And it's just such a powerful thing we can do for ourselves and our families. Yeah, and it definitely it's noticeably makes a difference to how I behave with Katie then afterwards. And and that's and that's so important because I think that she when I'm feeling anxious, she really feels a disconnect to me. Um, but then when I'm actually freer with with how I'm feeling, then she she's much more she's much more much more much easier for us to connect to each other. Yes. And when, like, exactly like you said, when we're feeling anxious, it's hard for us to connect with our kids, which then fuels their anxiety because something that they need, which is completely vital, is that sense of connection with us. And so when that's ruptured for whatever reason or impacted slightly, it makes them feel more anxious. And so it's really important that we can work on our own feelings so that we can be more emotionally available for our children, which then means that we respond differently in those annoying situations which we inevitably have and then we can then strengthen that sense of connection that our children have because if we're now going back out in the world and we're now asking them to go back out in the world after telling them it's scary out there and we all need to stay at home that for some children that can be really anxiety producing Um, so it's so important that we can work on ourselves and then really strengthen that sense of connection so that they are in a better place to then go back out into the world again Definitely. So then let's talk about how to help our kids who perhaps are feeling anxious about going back out in the world again. Because obviously, well, here in Australia, we're in term two of the academic year. And so parents would have spent a lot of the beginning, especially for the littlies, the beginning of the first term, getting kids settled, overcoming separation anxiety, getting them all sort of happy at school and daycare and preschool only now for them to all be home for a really extended amount of time. And now they've got to go and do it all over again. So it's a double whammy up here, but even up here in Australia, down under, um, but that's still going to be an issue in the UK or, or wherever you are, because chances are children have probably loved being at home a lot of the time. I've heard, you know, from parents of, even though, you know, even if both parents are working and it's being really challenging for them, the kids have really enjoyed having that extra connection with the parents. So it can be a bit of an extra challenge for children to go back into school again. And even though they're probably really excited to see their friends, after a while, schoolwork gets, gets a bit dull. Yeah, definitely. Um, Katie never has never enjoyed school. She really enjoyed preschool, but has not enjoyed school at all. And um so, so um, I have to do a lot of work with her, it, with her feelings around school. Um, and when I have time, I try and do that by setting expectations before we go to school. So um, it's all about, you know, just sort of talking her through it, talking about her feelings around it. Um, but also then trying to fit in some kind of play, whether it be special time, spending, you know, a certain amount of time just... Um, delighting in whatever she's doing or um, normally it would be a power reversal game that I would try to do with her to help her with her feelings around school and that would come into play either before school or or also mainly after school when she's got all those big feelings coming up again um, after spending time at school so um, yeah we we do a lot of um, play to try and get those feelings out of her. And what type of play works with with little Katie? Yeah, so she really loves being uh, the powerful one. So lots of power reversal games. And um, 
one of the games that we played actually got from you, which was um, the sock game. Uh, game, which I have to say I got from Larry Cohen's Playful Parenting book, just to give credit where it's due. It's such a great game. Do you want to explain what it is? Yeah, because it's not just fun for the kids, it's fun for us too. And I think that's, that's the thick key that, you know, sometimes with play, sometimes we have to fake it till we make it. But I think with this game, you definitely don't. You, you're really enjoying it yourself as a... As a yeah, as it's a, not like endless Barbies or trains or cars or something which just makes you go, no. It's, yeah, it's actually a really good fun game for everybody. Anyway, explain what it is. Yeah, so we both have to put a pair of socks on. And um, so I make sure I get socks on that can be easily taken off. So like ski socks or something like that that are really easily to take easy to take off and um then she puts socks on and um the game is whoever gets you have to stay on the bed but whoever gets the socks off first wins the game the socks of the other person obviously um but of course you always let your child win because then they feel powerful and and Katie absolutely loves that because she she just always thinks that she wins (laughs) yes and now my 11 year old I've been playing with her for years and years and now my 11 year old the other day put soccer socks on all the way up to her knees which makes them impossible to take off and I'm going this is not fair Uh, she's got strategic about it she's got very strategic about it but yes do you want to explain why the power of reversal games are so brilliant well I think yeah it's because they have our children have feelings of powerlessness often throughout the day you know they're being told what to do they can't necessarily do the things that they want to do you know especially at school you know they're they're definitely being told what to do to sit down to to not talk to whatever it might be and um you know it really that takes them takes them away from their feelings of freedom and independence and whatever it might that you know that they're actually trying to go towards so Yes, being the most powerful one is just such a release of those feelings around being powerless. And, um, you know, I really see it with Katie, especially in pillow fights. She can do some really hard hits with her her pillows. And, um, you know, I'm always the one to fall over and go, ah, don't hit me. And um, she loves it. You know, she'll hit me even harder and then sit on my head with with the pillow on top and, you know, uh, just to just to feel powerful, and and of course that's I just make it as fun as I can for her, and uh, she she giggles a lot, and it's the giggling I think that releases a lot of those those feelings. And then another really simple game that we play is just chasing. She loves chasing games where I can never get her. I am bumbling around, you know, just just not ever being able to get her and being really clumsy. And then she, when she chases me, she's always able to get me and, and, you know, then, you know, she can jump on me and whatever else she wants to do to, to help her feel powerful. Obviously always with the caveat that I'm making sure that I'm safe and that she's safe. Yes. Yeah. And I think especially at this time where there is fear in the whole world, you know, adults are being fearful, which children can really pick up on, especially if, you know, there's extra circumstances at home, which are hard as a result of lockdown and COVID. So to have these games, really simple games that don't require much equipment apart from a pair of socks and maybe a bed, which you know, you've got at home, um, don't take a lot of time, can really, really help to offset some of the fears that kids may be having. Because when, when children do feel afraid and, and fearful, they can either get really explosive and aggressive 
which as you said, that can often happen when they come home from school, or they can go really inward and insular and, and, and afraid and, and, you know, their world closes up and they don't want to try anything and go anywhere and it, and it can be very hard for them. Um, so to play these games and help them feel powerful again is just, it's just amazing actually how, how powerful that they can be in like five, 10 minutes. So um, I thought I might share, there's a, a fellow hand in hand, fellow aware parenting instructor called Sam Cumming from Here With You Parenting. And she came up with some great virus games because <laughs> although my kids haven't been scared of the virus, um, but as I said, in Australia, we haven't had the impact as much as we've had, as you've had in England or in America. And so she has these great games, which is a sort of variation of the scary monster game where um, you can either have a pillow as the virus and the child can like, it's a variation of the pillow fight, exactly what you were saying that you do with Katie and, you know, and the child can get to hold the virus and they can chase after the parent going, I've got the virus, <laughs> whatever it is. And the parent's going, no, don't get me. Ah! <laughs> and so then the parent, you know, the child then feels they've got a bit more of control and they've got the power of the virus. And so, you know, by doing that, that they can feel powerful again, rather than being scared of this thing that you can't see and you can't touch anything. And oh, no, it can be really scary. So to have those games can be really, really amazing to help offset those fears of the virus. Yeah, they sound really fun. I'm definitely going to be stealing them. Um, they sound great. I haven't actually used any virus games with Katie yet because um, um, despite the school saying that initially they were going to take her year group back. They've turned around on that. And so she's not going to be going back. But I think that that would really be helpful, especially in situations where when the children do go back to school, it's going to be so remarkably different from how it used to be. Um, and, you know, they're going to be having to, to social distance at schools in England. Um, I'm not sure. How that's I have no much. idea how they're going to do that because they said they were going to do that in Australia. And I can tell you, there's not that much social distancing happening. You just see kids, you know, hanging around together. So I don't know how they're going to do that. Um, well, yeah. And I think there's a lot of fear from parents around that because the first of all, they're wondering how their children are going to, to react to that. And also they're also wondering whether the children are going to be passing virus to each other because there is a, still a lot of fear about the virus here because of the amount of, um, the, the infection rate and the amount of deaths here. So um, definitely, I've been think... a heartbreaking. I mean, it's not the same, but it, I think there's a picture of a playground in France and you see these kids in these sort of chalked off areas and they're just having to have this solitary play and these like little five-year-old, six-year-old kids and you're just going, that's really hard because connection is so important. And so to then, if children can't have that sense of connection with their, with their, with their friends in that way, that adds to the stress of going back to school. Yeah, definitely. So it's about helping helping ourselves um, consider that and think about how we could help our children with it and, and also not projecting our own fears onto our children. So helping our children sort of manage, um, manage any, well, managing our own anxiety and then helping our children understand what they, they could expect, but also that that actually school's going to be really different, different, but it might actually be fun because I think that, um, for example, schools here, I know they're going to be doing a lot more outdoor, outdoor play, outdoor classrooms, outdoor everything. And um, 
you know that that will be wonderful for our kids it will be different but I think it'll be great Sounds and amazing. I know that yeah I mean I know that my my boss for example has told um his son who has actually been going back to school um during this whole time that it's not real school it's fun school and um I think that you know just framing it in a different way could actually be really helpful to our children well and if they're doing more outdoor activities and having more fun then school suddenly becomes way more appealing because, you know, school doesn't suit everybody. And especially little kids, like my son has never been mad about school. You know, he wants to go back to preschool where they can just do whatever they want, eat whenever they want, you know, rather than having to be told what to do. Um, And actually going back to school has actually been a lot easier for us than I thought it was going to be. Because, you know, you hear about, you, you can't go onto school grounds, that they are going to have to have social distancing. There's going to have to be hand sanitizers everywhere. I was going, oh God, this feels like it's going to be really hard. And George has often found separation from me difficult because he hasn't really wanted to go to school. So I've had to, like you, really work on helping him with that. But actually what we've found is that where we drop them off at the playground, there's a cohort of teachers there. And so we walk up, well, we just go to the edge. So I drive there, get out the car, help him get out the car. And then he goes in, but he's greeted by a teacher by name, George. Hi, George. It's just so lovely. So he's like, he trots off. He's like, oh, yeah, great. You know, has a bit of hand sanitizer and then he's off on his day. And actually, I found it much easier than I was anticipating. And actually, I was thinking, well, this is a lovely way to start the day. You're being greeted by the teachers in this way. And I know that's not going to be possible for all schools, but it actually has been, it's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I think that's key though, isn't it? It's understanding that what we're expecting to happen, what we might be fearing might happen, often is not the reality. And the reality is often so much easier than, than what we're expecting. Oh, so, Nikki, I think that's true in so, in so many aspects, isn't it? The fear is often not as bad as the reality. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dealing with our own fear and also helping our kids through play. With, with their fears that they might have and, and, and related to, to the differences or just related to going back to school in general. Um, yeah, the play, the play can really help with that. It can. And then there are times when it's not quite enough. And so often, you know, if, if your child really is struggling and is terrified at the thought of something or um, is becoming obsessive about washing their hands or is is nervous about going back to school or is scared of the virus. And like, sometimes you can get so scared that you don't even want to talk about it. You know, if they, if a child hears parents talking about things, they might go, don't talk, don't talk. And they can get really scared. And as parents, then you go, well, okay, let's not talk about this because I don't want to make them even more upset. Um, so it's those times it's really helpful to be with our children. Exactly. Like we talked actually in a previous episode about how to, when play's not enough. So to do the play when, when it's appropriate, and then, and then how can we help our kids at the times when play isn't appropriate? Yes, absolutely. I, ha- I mean, I have a lot of experience in this because my, um, my, my little one defaults to aggression when handling or trying to handle her big feelings. That's what comes out. And so um, it, it might be something that comes out in children feeling powerless and after being at school in, in, in this time or feeling powerless about having to go back to school or whatever it might be, um, then they might come out and be, be aggressive. And um, in those moments, uh, I think it's about mainly it's about yourself being resourced enough um, to handle it. So um, help with listening partners and things like that. But um, 
but also just about responding um, rather than reacting. And I, I fail at this very often because often I'm extremely exhausted and tired and, you know, I, I end up, you know, getting angry myself. And um, I try really hard not to do that, though. And, and the moments when I am able to, then I can respond playfully either by showering her with kisses and love, but in a very funny over the top way that she's like, Oh, get off me and starts <laughs> giggling. Um, <laughs> or, you know, um, turning it into something a bit more boisterous, like a pillow fight play or chase or something like that. I think, um, again, that you know, play it often can't be, can't be enough to stop the, the big feelings coming out. But then when they do come out, it's how you respond to that. That's, that's the key. And my daughter, I don't have a lot of experience with her crying and listening to her feelings, but sometimes she does. And, it, and it's then it's just about sitting and listening to them. And uh, I think you can talk more about that because I think you're. My little boy are, cries very at the yeah. drop of a hat. Um, and will do less so as he gets older. Like my 11 year old rarely cries anymore, which I wish she did now. You know, when you're there younger, you're going, oh God, you, can you stop crying? When they're older, you're going, please, I know you need to cry. Can you just have a cry? <laughs> um, but yeah, so really recognizing the, the power of crying. And that's where if we're, if we're on, walking on eggshells around topics because we don't want our children to cry, then that's such a clear indication that there are feelings there that need to come out. So that's why play is awesome. But then there's times when play isn't enough. And so that's the time when you go, I know, you know, you offer the empathy. I know you really don't want to go back to school or you're scared of the virus or, you know, you're worried about how it's going to be or whatever it is. And then to really listen to the child offloading about what they're upset about. And it could be through tears or it could just be through whinging or, you know, just like, oh, I don't like this and I hate this. And, nah, 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 nah. and you might want to counter that going, but darling, you know, and explain and offer a counter perspective, but actually just like you said earlier on with your listening partner, just having that space to vent, our kids need that too. Just a Patty Whitfler, I think they call it freedom of the mouth. So where your child can just say whatever that it likes about how annoying everything is and how terrible you are as a mom, <laughs> you know, all those things that are delightful to hear when you've been giving your all to your children. But sometimes they just need to have a good old vent or a good old cry with you and then they can release the, 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 and then it becomes exactly what you said about how the fear is worse than the reality. And so when they can let go of some of that fear, they can face the reality so much better and realize actually it's not as bad as they were probably thinking. Yes, definitely. I love that, that what you're saying about just sitting with our feelings though. And, and I think, you know, letting them whinge, letting them whine, because that's something I think that really gets to people and they just want to turn that off straight away. Um, and actually, Katie was was whining about something this morning and I I just stood in the kitchen and I said, I hear that you something, something, something. And I just left it, caught complete silence and just left her sit, sitting with that and it totally changed the way she then talked to me afterwards. It was really strange because she just heard my acknowledgement and I was giving her that space. And I think then she was able to just change tack. And that's so, it's, it's something that you probably want to fill with, but this, but this, and it, like you're saying, explaining, but you, if you just leave that moment for them to, to have that, that whinge, then, then it can work wonders. Yeah, because one of the biggest things that we all want is to be heard and be understood. 
And then when we have that, it's like, oh, that's such a relief. It's, it's, it's so powerful. So yeah, to have those times and exactly like what you did this morning. So brilliant, but it can be so flipping hard <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so hard. Um, but yeah, when you notice your child has got that particular, that particular issue about something that they're, that they're getting really uptight about, then you know that that's something that needs work. Whereas if you keep avoiding it or distracting them from it, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger inside of them until it becomes really overwhelming and debilitating. So the more that you can loosen them up with the play and the acknowledgement, they can move through it much, much better. Love it. Anything else you have to offer about coming back out of lockdown in the UK that you're sort of getting a sense of or thinking that might be an issue because as I said Australia hasn't been as badly hit actually can I just share I just had the most gorgeous morning this morning I'm part of this choir and um, there's a lot of older ladies in it and so we haven't met for ages and we all met and sung outside in this beautiful bushland by the water this morning I don't know why I'm sharing this now I just wanted to share it it was just so beautiful and I think there's some really amazing things that have actually come out of lockdown um certainly those little moments that you think, and I'm going, whether we're in lockdown or not, we should just keep doing this. So, you know, rather than having the old waves always being in, we're in this old school hall one evening during the week, we can think and do things differently. And so that was just such a beautiful experience that we would never have had if it wasn't for this. So there are, there can be some, some benefits, or some pos- sorry, positives from it. Um, and I think if we can look at those and remember those and highlight those, then that helps to offset the the hard times with it. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, we do ha- have to adapt, but adapting can bring positives like you're saying. And um, I'm feeling a lot of hope actually um, moving forward. I know that there are, there is fear still around, um, but I think that moving forward, I'm feeling a lot of hope. It helps that the weather has been amazing here. And we can hear the birds in the background. It's so gorgeous listening to English birds. Yes, but, you know, things are starting to move forward. And, you know, the running club that I hope to be a part of are just about to do some socially distanced um, meets, which is just going to be wonderful for people and going to give them so much positive energy, I think, going forward. Even if you can't touch the other person, you're still with them. You're still able to, to converse and share and you know be social animals that we are yes because we are and connection and I think certainly when we started to go into lockdown most of us were you know we were calling our parents so many more times I was calling my parents almost daily I was calling my brothers they're all you know they're in different parts of the world and it just shows how just how important connection is for all of us because we are social creatures and we need to connect and so it was beautiful like connecting on zoom in a quiet just doesn't work because I'm warbling away at home and I I can't sing, but I love it. So to connect in person, it's just like, oh, this is so heartwarming. And and I think when we start to connect in person again, we'll we'll take it for granted after a while, but it's just, we really appreciate it so much more. And, And connection is at the heart of what parenting by connection and aware parenting is all about. It's about how to connect with our children when they're behaving and feeling at their worst it's like the connection with listening partners and when we're feeling at our worst so connection is just so powerful and I love hearing how you're going to start social distancing running with your fellow runners (laughs) (laughs) 
I should be singing. You'll be running. Be doing lots of lovely things. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. It's good to uh, have our reporter from the UK on the Parenting with Play podcast. <laughs> um, and for those of you listening, we know it's a big time and we just really just wanted to offer ways that you can help yourself and your kids come out of hibernation in a more enjoyable, less anxious way. So um, whatever situation you're in and whatever you're sort of emerging into in whatever capacity that looks like, know that you can really help your children with these tools. And Nikki and I, when we were just preparing for the podcast, just going, I'm so grateful that, to have these tools because otherwise life would be a lot more challenging to know how to support our kids and ourselves with them. Yeah, definitely. So if you want to find out more, come over to parentingwithplay.com.au. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you again on the next podcast. Thanks again, Nikki. Thank you. Thanks for enjoy- inviting me on. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family. Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released. And I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing. Enjoy playing.